Thank you, Ida, choir. Some of you may not know that Ida and Pete uh, met each other when they were members of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga. That's a great church, and they were great folks, and I'm glad they got married, but we hated to lose them. As long as we lost them over there, I'm glad you got them here. I know they're a blessing to you. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. The scripture passage this morning is in the seventh chapter of 1 Samuel, verses 3, 4, and 12. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your heart unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it between Mizpah and Shane, and he called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. May God give us wisdom to understand what he has shared with us in his word. Now let us pray. Our Father, for the opportunity to come and to read your word, to share, dear Lord, in the place where you make yourself known and your presence felt, we thank you. Dear Lord, my earnest prayer for this hour for all of us here is that you would be very real to each of us. Dear Lord, do not let a single one of us from wherever we have come, whatever we are or have been in life, oh dear Lord, do not let a single one of us go from this place without the awareness that we have heard you and that you have spoken. Grant to us, each of us, Father, grant to us the courage to have faith in you, the courage to make those decisions and take the stands that would bring honor to you and glory to Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord, for the music. Thank you. Dear Lord, for your word, thank you for this sweet fellowship. And may your perfect will be done in every one of our lives. For I ask it, Father, 
in the sweet and in the powerful name of him who made it all possible for us. Jesus. Amen. My heart can sing when I pause to remember a heartache here is but a stepping stone along a trail that's winding always upward this troubled world is not my final home the things of earth will dim and lose their value when we recall their borrowed for a while and things of earth that cause the heart to tremble remembered there will only But until then, my heart will go on singing. Until then, with joy I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold that city. Until God calls me home. This weary world, with all its toil and trouble, may take its toll of misery and strife. The soul of man is like a waiting falcon when it's released it's destined for the sky so until then my heart will go on singing until then with joy I'll carry on until the day my eyes behold that city until that day God calls me I want to talk about a preacher, a preacher who 
never spoke a word, who never sang a song, never wrote a book, never traveled from the place of his pulpit. But a preacher who has preached across hundreds and hundreds of years and his message still rings loud and clear. Not a man, but a rock. Preachers ought to be rocks, but this is a real rock. And the old preacher's name is Ebenezer. How did that old rock, that old preacher, happen to get there? What are the events behind the placing of a rock that became a preacher? I think it's a pretty interesting story, and one that continues to speak a message that is as current as this morning's newspaper. He stood on the spot of two very memorable and important battles between the children of Israel and the Philistines. The first of the battles was a total defeat for the children of Israel. They lost the battle totally and completely. And the second battle that took place on the same spot 20 years later was a glorious and a wonderful victory. The first battle, the people had in their sight the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was that most holy object for the Jews. For as long as they had within their sight the Ark of the Covenant that contained the holy symbols of God, those elements where God had done some miraculous deed for them, everything for the children of Israel would go all right, so they thought. And so the two armies clashed. And horror of horrors and tragedy of tragedies even in the presence of the holy ark of God, the children of Israel lost the war. <coughs> it is possible to deal with holy things and lose the war. It is possible to stay involved in the things of the church, this church, and lose the spiritual warfare. It is possible to know the experience of baptism and still lose the battle. It's possible to do a great many religious things and still lose 
the battle. You see, the children of Israel somehow thought that just having the Ark of the Covenant with them would ensure their victory, but it did not. Old Ebenezer stood on this particular spot, the location of these two memorable battles, 20 years apart, the first a defeat, the second a victory. And he preached and continues to preach, I think, a very significant sermon. And the points for the sermon of this old rock preacher Ebenezer are these. You cannot win the war with negative leadership. Or to put it another way, you cannot be negative and win the most important battles of life. Eli, Eli was an interesting old man. But Eli somehow thought that he was all right simply because he was not a bad fellow. He thought he was okay simply because there were not those obvious glaring sins that set him out before the people. He was negative. In order to win, you must be positively and aggressively good. There are the sins of commission, those obvious laws of God, the moral laws of God that we break, and God calls them sin. There are these obvious flagrant habits that we get into that even the sinner knows is sin. But to win, to be victorious in the battles of life, we must also recognize that there are the sins of omission, the things that ought to be done that we leave undone the words that ought to be spoken to folks that we do not speak, the service that we ought to render that we do not render. There are the sins of omission as well as the sins of commission. Eli, Eli, when he was an old priest of the people and his two terrible sons, Phineas and Hophni, these two bad boys of the temple, bad boys they were, though they administered religious rites, though they went about religious function, though they wore the clothing of the priest, they were the bad boys of the town. And because of that, the people got away from God. They still had the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. That should have said something to them. The church ought to say something to the community in which it is located. The observance of baptism ought to say something magnificent about the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The observance of the Lord's Supper ought to tell us about the sacrifice of the Savior upon the cross, the shedding of His blood, the breaking of His body for us, 
but simply to have the church and simply to have the ordinances and simply to have the services, it's not enough. For we can do all of these things with a very negative mind and a very negative kind of attitude. And old Ebenezer, the preacher, the rock preacher, stands at the site of the two battles 20 years apart, won the failure, won the victory, to say to the people who pass by, you cannot win the important battles of life if you are negative. Samuel succeeded him. Samuel, the child of the temple. Samuel, who had heard at an early age the voice of God calling him. Samuel, who walked with God, recognized somewhere along the way that it was not enough simply to refrain from the obvious ills and the obvious sins but that to be good and to be victorious and to live for God, one had to be aggressively good. There had to be some very positive things in the life that makes the life count and make a difference in the way things go. When Samuel came to the place of leadership, he faced a rebellious people a sinful people, a people who had gotten so far away from God that they were worshiping strange gods. Can you imagine it? These people who had known the presence of God, these people who had received the, the blessings of God, these people who had observed the miracles of God, these same people had gone away from God. They built their altars to strange gods. They built their altars to Balaam and to Ashtaroth, and they performed unspeakably sinful rites before these false gods. It was this kind of a people that Samuel came to lead. Samuel was a man of courage. He called sin, sin. He called the people to repentance. He shared with them that they were in rebellion against God and that nothing positive could be done in their lives or in the life of the nation as long as the state of rebellion existed. And Samuel did what every true man of God does in the face of need. He called a prayer meeting. Anytime there's a need, anytime things are not going right, Anytime things are askew at church or at home or where you work or where you go to school, anytime things are not right, the best thing to do is to call a prayer meeting. Get people together who know the Lord. Get folks together who know how to talk to God. Get people together who believe in the power and the validity of the Word of God. Get people together and on their knees and pour out before the throne of God personal sins and the sins of the family and the sins of the church and the sins of the nation, the sins of the people. Cry out unto God in repentance. Then, and only then, God begins to stir and work and to move in the midst of his people. Eli, 
rebuked them. And Eli, rather Samuel, called a prayer meeting. So when we listen to the old rock preacher Ebenezer, we must learn the lesson that if we would be victorious in the battle of life, where the victory really counts, where the victory is worth something, where the victory has eternal value, then we cannot be negative and win. And we will never win under negative leadership of any kind. That's true at home. That's true here at church. That's true in the business where you operate. That's true in the school where you study. It's true anywhere and everywhere on the sports arena. It's true all over the world and in every kind of relationship. You cannot be negative and win, and you cannot win under negative leadership. Therefore, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to pray for our leaders. Old Ebenezer, the great stone preacher, stood there, and as the multitudes would pass by and wonder what he stood for, he preached a sermon that said, you cannot win without God. You can't. You can't win without God. When your heart is broken and you stand by the side of the body of someone that you love and have loved across the years, you can't win in that crucial moment of life when the tears flow without God. When financial disaster hits you, when the reverses come, you can't win without God. When your heart is broken, when the kids become prodigal and wander away from all that you've taught them and all that you've prayed for them, and they go out, out of the family circle, and the heart is broken, you can't win without God. The first battle was fought, and the people believed that simply because they had the Ark of the Covenant, that victory would automatically be assured them, but it was not. And in the second battle, before they went out to meet the Philistines, they prayed, they put their trust in God, and the people said to Samuel, pray, Samuel, don't stop praying. If you stop praying to God, we'll lose the battle. And Samuel prayed, and the people prayed, and God made the difference. You cannot win without God. In that first battle where defeat came to the children of Israel, 30,000 men died out in the midst of that field of corn. The leaders were corrupt. They had a form of religion, but it was not in their heart. They knew the words and the formula, but it did not change the way they were living. And a religion and a faith and a Christianity that does not make you a better husband or a better dad or a better wife or a better mother or a better employee or a better employer or a better student or a better teacher or a better businessman or a better doctor, or a better lawyer, or a better garbage man, 
the Christianity that does not make you better at what you are in your soul and in your life is not worth much. You cannot win unless you include God. We get all mixed up in this business of life. We'll ask the advice of anybody and everybody before we go to God about matters. We'll try to solve our problems in a thousand different ways before finally we'll go to God as a last resort. How many times have people said, oh, I wish I could do something to really help you. All I can do is pray for you. Oh, my. Why, that's the greatest thing in the world anybody can do for another is to pray. That is, if you know how to pray, if you've gotten beyond the now I lay me down to sleep kind of mumbo-jumbo praying, if you've gotten beyond the mere mumbling of a few words, the same old words, or every time you sit down to eat a meal, you know, God must get awfully tired of us. I've often wondered if we carried on our family conversations the same way we carry on a conversation with God. We might as well just print up some little cards, mimeograph some sheets, and just instead of ever saying anything, just slip it out and say, God, read this. Same old thing I told you yesterday or last week or last month. The greatest thing we can do for each other is to pray for each other. The greatest thing you can do for this preacher is to pray for me as I would try to preach. The greatest thing I could do for you is to pray for you that God would speak to your need in this hour of your life. I do not know what your needs are, but God knows. And I would share with you that I have prayed that the words, so though it would be the same words that would come from these lips that would hit the ears of every person here and every person that listens in the vast congregation of the television audience. Oh, that God would take the same words and use them to his own glory to meet every one of your individual and specific needs. You see, that's the difference God makes in life. You cannot win without God. Beware of trying to win the battles of life in your own strength. Beware of trying to sing choir in your own talents and ability without laying hold to the power of God. Beware, Sunday school teacher, of trying to teach that class to open the Word of God. Beware of trying to do it in your own intellect and in your own strength and in your own power. Beware of coming together as a congregation to the worship of God, somehow leaving God out of it, just doing what we do in our own human wisdom and our own human strength. We cannot win the battles of life. There's not a single battle that's worthwhile that you can win without God. In the matter of sin, and in the matter of salvation, in the matter of the movement from death to life, there is no victory if you do not know Jesus Christ. You cannot win the battle of sin without God. You cannot win the battle of sin without Jesus. It just can't be done. Can't be done at all. Old Ebenezer stood in that same spot. He stood there for many, many years. One of our hymns even mentions about, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. And no doubt you've sung it a lot of times and you've wondered, What in the world are they talking about there? 
What in the world? Raise mine Ebenezer. What's that talking about? It means to raise there an altar of witness to the power of God in your own personal experience. Have you ever had an experience with God of any kind? If you have, you need to share it. It might have been as you prayed, wrestling over your own sins, and finally you found release in Jesus Christ and salvation in him. You had a personal experience, then you need to share that. It may be that in some personal crisis that touched your life, you went to God and you labored in prayer and you laid it before God and you've lived ever since in the joy and the victory of that relationship that you have with him, the experience that you had with him. You need to raise an Ebenezer, an altar of witness to let somebody know what God has done for you and how God has helped you win the victory. Old Ebenezer stood at that spot, and the next point in his sermon, I think, was this, that the very place where you've been defeated can become the place where you'll have a victory. Oh, I like that one. I sure like that. Where have you stumped your toe? Where have you stumbled over the stones? Where have you made a fool of yourself? Where have you disappointed somebody? Maybe yourself. Where have you failed to measure up where in your life have you lost the battle? Let me share with you from the Word of God that it is at the very place where you have lost a battle you can win a victory. If you'll go back to the same ground and if you'll tackle the old enemy and if you'll bring God into it, if you'll go back against the old enemy where you lost the battle back there, but this time let God have a part in it. This time draw on the strength of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God and the availability of God to draw on him and have faith in him and courage to charge the old enemy in the power of God. Jesus said, to his disciples and to his followers after his resurrection. Go back to Jerusalem, stay there until the power of God shall come upon you. And after the power of God has come upon you, then you shall be my witnesses. It was in Jerusalem where they had miserably failed him. It would be in Jerusalem where they would raise the banners of the kingdom of God and where they would have their victories. John Mark was a failure. But oh, thank God that there were those who loved him and prayed for him and rescued him. And he became the great writer that we know of the gospel. Oh, Peter, Peter failed his Lord. He disappointed Jesus, he even denied him. But out of that place of the disappointment and out of the place of his failure, there as he examined his soul and laid hold afresh and anew on Jesus Christ. There he won the victory. He became the great preacher 
that we know him to be. What a difference God will make. I don't know where you failed. If you're a normal, average, growing human being, there's a trail of failures in your life. There are places where you haven't measured up, where you've dropped the ball, where you didn't complete the task, where you chickened out, where you lost your courage, where you gave up the ghost. There are places of temptation when God said to you, I'll strengthen you, but you didn't listen to God, and you plowed your way on into the field of temptation, and you engaged in this or that or the other that was not Christ-like and not Christian and not godly, and you failed. You lost the battle of temptation somewhere along the way. Listen to me. Ebenezer says, where you lost the battle, you can have a victory. Where you lost the battle, you can have forgiveness from God, and you can have strength, and you can have power, and you can defeat the old enemy. So wherever you've lost a battle this morning, in your own mind's eye as you retrace your own personal history, wherever you've lost the battle, go back, go back right then and right there, and have a victory unto God. For the place of your defeat can, if you include God, can be the place of your victory. Old Ebenezer stands and he preaches the mighty and the eloquent sermon. And old Ebenezer is saying to us, listen to me folks who pass by, there were two battles on this place. There was a battle when the children of Israel forgot all about God and they trusted in the outward symbol rather than in the reality of the living God and they lost their battle and for 20 years they suffered the shame of having lost the battle to the Philistines. 20 years later the people fought again this time with a repentant heart this time with faith and courage this time laying hold on God and God gave them the victory and God let them whip the Philistines and God stirred, God thundered, his hands moved and the children of Israel knew great victory there. So defeat can help you have a victory. I think that's the only way we can understand that marvelous passage that Paul wrote to the church at Rome when he said, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. There are a lot of things in this life I don't understand. There are a lot of things that have happened to me that I don't like. There are a lot of currents that have flown through my life that I certainly do not understand. But I build my hope and my trust and my faith in God himself in the promise and the surety of his word that God has said all things work together for good and even our defeats can work together for our good and to the glory of God. If, if, if we stand at the place of our defeat and we ask why and if we'll examine our souls and if we'll lay hold of the strength available to us now 
where once we lost the battle. Old Ebenezer stands and preaches, and old Ebenezer says, don't stop, don't stop until the victory is won. Partial victory is not enough. Almost is not enough. A part of the way is not enough. Old Ebenezer says, here is the place. Now is the time. Maybe you are at your Ebenezer today fighting an old enemy of selfishness as to whether you're going to live for yourself or you're going to live for Jesus. Maybe you've lost the battle in the past. Let Ebenezer say, here's the place where you can win the victory. Today, here, now. Maybe some old besetting sin. Maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your gossiping tongue. Maybe it's your love for liquor. Maybe it's sex. Whatever it is, you've lost battles in the past. Old Ebenezer says, I stand here to tell you that you can have a victory, a victory, and don't stop until you know victory that you have in Jesus. Oh, the battleground. Is it going to be the world, or is it going to be Christ in your life and in your home? Oh, you know that God is right. Maybe it's the battle of duty as to what you ought to do and where you ought to be serving him. Maybe you've lost the battle in the past, but old Ebenezer stands to say, have a victory. Make the right choice today. So listen to old Ebenezer. Make a clean sweep of your life. Acknowledge that the failures that have come have come when you've turned your back on God and your ears have been deaf to his voice and your eyes have been blind to his word. But let old Ebenezer, the rock preacher, bring you to God to have a victory in Christ, joy in him, service for the master, victory where you've known defeat. Would you bow your head, please? Bow your head and close your eyes and win a victory. If you came into this room defeated, if you entered this place, if you turned your television set on, television congregation and you're in the midst of a battle where the battle has gone against you and you are defeated listen to me the word of god says you can have the victory today and now and here and right where you are by confessing your sin by asking for forgiveness by exerting the faith that God has given you to lay hold on more faith and to live this one day that God has given to each of us. I'm going to ask John choir to sing. And as you are seated and as your heads are bowed, I want you to pray that you'll have the victory. That's what we're after today. We're after a victory for you. A victory where you've been defeated. If it's been at the point of sin, you have victory in Jesus. Trust him, love him, acknowledge him. Say so publicly as the choir will sing. Stand and come down. The staff will be here to counsel with you and pray with you. Have a victory in Jesus.
Oh, Christian, have a victory in your church membership. Where you've been defeated in the past, have a victory now. Come, victory with Jesus. Let's stand quietly. Choir sings, will you come? Come now, please. Come on. Heavenly Father, there are individuals in this room who entered the room defeated, tangled in the chains of sins that they've not confessed to you and not acknowledged, defeated, not knowing heaven as a destination and as a home, not knowing Christ as a personal friend. I pray for them now. I pray that your Holy Spirit, dear Father, will convict them of their sins and that they would have the courage to confess those sins to you and to open their hearts and lives and to invite Jesus to enter and to cleanse and save and forgive. Oh, Father, for those who are battle-scarred and who carry with them the lingering scars of defeat in the battles with self and sin of the past, I pray for a victory for them today. Each one of us, Father, know our faults and our shortcomings. Where we have failed you and failed ourselves and failed others. Oh, God, help us to want the victory and to have the victory in Christ today. Choir is going to sing one more verse. It'll be long enough for you, for wherever you are in this congregation to have the victory that there is in Christ. At the place of your defeat, have a victory. It's within reach, but you must want it, and you must reach it, and hold it by faith. Would you have a victory? Claim it now as the choir sings, step out and come. Let us pray with you.